You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into to Friday's edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, September 25th, 2020. Bo Brack and your boy Q. And uh, Bo, we are here again on a, on a Friday. I've been enjoying the last couple Fridays with you before we get into the, the teeth of today's show and, and talk about what we got going on and what we saw Thursday night from the Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. I want to let everyone know that the episode is being brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that fuels, that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for, fu- fo- made for football watching. And, and again, it's your boy Q along with Bo Brack. And uh, Bo is host of Locked On Cardinals. I'm host of Locked On Raiders and Bo, Thursday night football, it was not the best performance. It was not the best two teams in the league. Miami and Jacksonville squared off in Jacksonville. Miami comes away with a 31-13 victory, picking up their first win of 2020. What were your thoughts on the game? Man, what a difference a week makes, Q, because last week we were watching a pair of number one overall picks slinging around the field. This week, it was a battle of for Florida, not Ohio this time, and it was a sixth and seventh rounder, respectfully, under center. It was Fitz magic all day. The Finns come out hot. They finished the job. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know he's a guy that uh, is, he's probably good for like a, a one-night stand. He's not somebody that's ever going to get the ring. Nobody's going to marry Ryan Fitzpatrick as far as the NFL team for the long run. But, man, he got it done tonight. Uh, he started out, what, 11 for 11? We don't see the first incompletion from Fitzpatrick until under a minute left to play in the first half. Did it with his arms. Two touchdown passes. Did it with his legs. He had the sneak in the second half. It was all about Fitzmagic. And uh, the Miami Dolphins get their first win of the season. Yeah, they did. And, and I like what Brian Flores is doing in Miami. This season will not be the year where they're a playoff contender and they go deep into the into the playoffs. But I do like what he's doing there. I think he's a heck of a coach and he's going to get that that place in the right in the right situation. And of course, Tua's sitting there on the sideline waiting to get in the game. But Fitzpatrick is doing the thing. He's, he's not been the reason why they were 0-2 earlier, uh, but he was the reason why or a major reason why they picked up a victory on Thursday night. And one little side note on Fitzpatrick, and I don't know if you knew this before the game he was 5-0 and against the Jacksonville Jaguars with five different teams oh my that is it that is an odd stat like that that's wild so he he moves to 6-0 and after the victory tonight yes it, it, that, uh, yeah I mean that stat that has my my brain in a pretzel and then you've got the uh, stat from earlier this week where the Lions have they've lost four straight games by leading after by double digits it's just like what this is what a wild time to be alive. It's it's on par with 2020, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for real. But I mean, I just thought that that stat was wild. I mean, that's give Fitzpatrick a lot of credit. You you know, you said earlier he's never the guy that you're going to marry, but you could date him for a while. Clearly, a bunch right. of teams have dated him. If he's beaten the Jaguars five times with five different teams, and now again six times, that's incredible to me. Yeah, it it really is incredible, and, and to, you've you've got to be pretty good 
at the quarterback position to just get that opportunity to be under center for five different teams anyway. But we saw it tonight. I mean, he was firing at all cylinders tonight. As I mentioned, I mean, his first incompletion came with under a minute left in the first half. He was finding a rave wide receivers and uh, they were getting a good run balance, run pass balance in that first half. And they jump out to the 14-0 lead. I thought Jacksonville did a good job in answering that finally in the second quarter. It's 14-7. And then they tack on one more touchdown before headed to the locker room. And it's 21-7. And that game was really in hand, even uh, you know coming out of the locker room in the second half. Yeah, no, it really was. And look, Gardner Minshew for the Jacksonville Jaguars was just not very good. You know, I mean, you know, he always gets that hype and it's Minshew mania and everyone starts talking about the stash and the, you know, and the just the, the frat kind of guy that he is, frat boy type guy that he is. But ultimately, man, at best, Gardner Minshew was a backup in the league. At best. At the best, he's the guy who he played against earlier in the night, which was Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting. When we did our AFC South and our NFC South preview before the start of the season here on Locked On NFL, we talked to Anthony Wiggins, the host of Locked On Jaguars, and he said we're going to know right away, like within the first few games of who Gardner Minshew is. Can he be a guy you can build around? I don't know if that question has necessarily been answered right away, but I I think you're exactly right. I think he's destined to be... You know, a Ryan Fitzpatrick down the road in his career, I would I would definitely I, I don't even know if I would say the over under on teams that Gardner Minshew is going to have at the end of his career has got to be over three and a half or four. Yeah, exactly. I just think he's a guy who'll float around the league and he'll be a serviceable backup, at, you know, at best. But again, that's not a bad gig. You know, I mean, that's that's oh. guys make careers off of that again. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we just mentioned if he's good enough to stick around the league for as many years as Fitzpatrick's been around, be on as many teams, make some good money and uh, have opportunities playing games I mean I'm not mad at it I just don't think that that's the Jaguars answer as far as far as the franchise quarterback goes and they'll be top picking as, as far as I'm concerned in the top five in the 2021 NFL draft and Bo normally I you know I go into a little bit more detail about the game I think it was a good way to start NFL week three you know having a game on on Thursday night but those games to me are always kind of hit or miss sometimes they're really good games uh, similar to what we saw last week and then all of a sudden it's you know a game that's just kind of like you mentioned over coming out of the locker room so I kind of wanted to transition into another subject that I think is kind of hot and heavy going on in the NFL right now and that's the fact that the league is they're fining coaches for not wearing their mask all the time and uh, a lot of these coaches you've seen uh, Pete Carroll get fined you've seen John Gruden you've seen Sean Payton most recently those guys get fined for not wearing their mask all the time they're play callers so they can pull it down they're allowed to but they have to immediately put it back up and I just can't see how these coaches can be thinking about five six seven eight kind of moves that they're trying to make like chess and at the same time trying to remember oh by the way I got to put my mask up I just think that's a tough ask I think it's really tough for the NFL to ask him to do that and to be 100% honest I don't think it's really 100% necessary yeah and the hefty fines that they're levying are outrageous and I I, I got to imagine it's the organization that's picking up the tab on that was it $250,000 that I saw two fifty two hundred fifty thousand for the organization, 100000 for the coach, 100000 for the coach. So that's that's quite a bit. I can see it as one of two things. One, if I'm watching Pete Carroll and he's not calling in plays and I can tell he's chomping his gum like Pete Carroll does each and every Sunday, uh, that, you know, maybe he could just slide his mask up. But it, it, it's not it's not anything that you, me, our listeners out there, we're not used to it yet. 
You know, I mean, I'm not into the routine of just, you know, I'll, I'll be walking into, into the grocery store and I'll have to remind myself at the last second to throw my mask on. I'm glad I'm not getting fines because I'm going to be out of cash. <laughs> right, mean, right. And the but, thing about it, this is what I, I, my thing, man, is all these coaches, all these players, all these officials, everyone that is participating some way, somehow, some form in an NFL game on any given day, Thursday, Monday, Sunday, whatever it is, they're all being tested. So if the players can go out and compete for four quarters and not have their mask on while they're on the field, I don't understand why anybody really in an arena with no fans in it at all has to have a mask on because everyone's been tested. Everybody should be COVID-free, so you're not really attracting it, right? Right. There's going to be people say, hey, false negatives are very real, and I get that. And, you know, I also understand just what you pointed out is the players out on the field there, they're not wearing face masks as well. Uh, it's an optics thing, right? I, I fully believe it's got to be an optics in the and the NFL is just trying to do their diligence and play it safe. I don't know why these numbers are so high as far as – the money that these coaches are getting fined, but they're trying to send an issue, it, uh, send a message. But here's the thing: the guy who is, you know, he coaches one of the teams that's the least penalized and knows the rule book back and forth. You know, who's not getting fined is Bill Belichick. He's <laughs> once again he is bending around those rules, uh, like you know, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible around <laughs> like the the laser sensors. He's got like the duck bill. He looks like Michael Keaton in Birdman out there. But he's not getting. You're not going to see him get fined for no mask. So Belichick uh, bends the rules, but he follows the rules. So you got to appreciate the evil genius there. I mean, I just look at it like this, man. I think this kind of sums it up. Thirty-six thousand six hundred sixty-four tests administered to seven thousand eight hundred forty-five players and team personnel. Fourteen thousand and seventy-four tests were administered to two thousand four hundred thirty-eight players. Twenty-two thousand five hundred ninety tests were administered to five thousand four hundred seven personnel. Zero confirmed positive tests among the players and only five confirmed positives among the personnel. That's for the weeks of September 13th through September 19th. I just don't think that if you're in a stadium, especially with no fans, as many of these stadiums are across the league, you don't really need to have a mask on if you have all this going on around you with all these players that are negative. I just I just don't see the purpose. I think it's silly and like you said, it's an optics and that's all it can be is an optics. It's the NFL saying, "Hey, look, we care. Wear your mask. You need to." It's not necessary in that kind of setting. Yeah, it's Pete Carroll on Sunday night football with a, a large audience and he's front and center. He's the only guy that's going to be expected to wear a mask except for the other guy on the side sideline and that's Bill Belichick. So people are going to ask questions and with that, the NFL probably had uh, their hands tied. They had to make a move. For that reason, you and I, I think we're on the same page. We believe it's optics. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. But uh, what's not optics is what we're going to get into next, which is our, our six-pack, where Bo picks three games, I pick three games. We f tell you why they're so intriguing to us. We also tell you who we think is going to win. That's going to come up next in segment number two of today's Locked On NFL podcast. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about a couple great sponsors here on the podcast and who's bringing you the podcast today. And the first one is... Visa. And the reason yeah. why we tell you about Visa, because, well, we want you to support your local businesses. It doesn't matter if it's the corner stores, the coffee spots, your favorite shops, any local businesses. They've always been on your side, right? They've always supported you in your community. They're always giving back, making a difference. They're the go-tos in the community. They go that extra mile. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So, 
It's on us to be there for them. Next time you go shopping, help your team score. Choose to shop at local businesses. While you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, and also an official partner of the NFL. Did you miss the Dallas Cowboys comeback on Sunday? Did you miss Thursday night football or are you just a football fiend? Well, this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every game, every snap with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from each and every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass, the only place you can replay every game all season long. You also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass NFL film session episodes. Go inside the game from the player's perspective. Break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, and Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides the access to the entire NFL film's archive, Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass and start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On NFL podcast. Bo Brack, host of Locked On Cardinals, and your boy Q, host of Locked On Raiders. We're here with you for the six-pack. And this is one of my favorite parts of the show, Bo. I'm not sure how, how much you're excited by it, but I love talking about these games that really, really stand out to me and really intrigue me. And we're going to jump into that in just a quick minute, but I first want to tell you about my bookie. I want to let everyone know to invest in your intuition. Use promo code Locked On and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play design to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie and now the six pack does begin and man oh man again there's some games on the schedule I love it I can't believe we're already in the week three of the 2020 NFL season but it is here and I have three games that really intrigue me I know you have three games that really intrigue you and let me go ahead and just start off with one that I'm sure you're probably going to look at and scratch your head or or even scratch your head when I tell you about it the Bengals at the Eagles (laughs) Bengals at the Eagles. I know it doesn't look the sexiest on paper, but hear me out. The reason why this one is so intriguing to me is because I'm still a prisoner of the moment, and I hate being a prisoner of the moment, but all I remember is the last thing I saw from Joe Burrow, and that was a guy, a rookie in the league, toughing it out, throwing the ball around the yard 60-plus times, even in a loss, getting pummeled, even in a loss, but still having the moxie, having the want, the you know, the want to, having the oomph to try to get out there and get it done and try to will his team to a victory. And really, for the first time since he's been in the league, and I know it's a small sample size, really made me a believer that he's going to be the dude to be able to help turn that uh, Cincinnati Bengals team around. I'm just intrigued by what Joe Burrow can do next. So I'm very fired up about this game. Oh, by the way, the Eagles are hosting it, and they're 0-2 on the season. They're banged up. It's like injuries are always the story of the Eagles. So if there's any opportunity for Joe Burrow to come out with a a good performance and a big victory, I'm thinking it's on Sunday against the Eagles. So I'm taking Cincinnati in this game to to drop the Eagles to 0-3, and Joe Burrow's going to have a heck of a game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that the Eagles absolutely have to be on upset alert in this contest. But for the sake 
of the city of Philadelphia. Hopefully it was not going to be just a pile of ashes come Monday because they lost this game that dropped to 0-3. I hope they get their first win in the season. Against this Cincy defense, the Browns were able to get right. Can Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles offense do the same? I I think so. I think that they're going to have enough to win this game. Is it going to be pretty? No, nothing that Philly's done the last couple, I, I would say the last season in these couple games has not been pretty. Is it weird, though, that when I think about Philadelphia and Cincinnati, it always reminds me that Donovan McNabb didn't know the overtime rules of the NFL game? <laughs> that will never, <laughs> ever get old. Unfortunately for Donovan, that's one of those one of the many things he'll never be able to live down. No, didn't know that NFL games could end in a tie. It was, it, it was, it's quite a while now. It's been a couple of years, but uh, I will never forget. But yeah, so are we both on the same page? You, you're actually thinking the upset's going to happen. You think Joe Burrow gets his first victory as a starter? Yes, sir. All right, I think Philly wins this game at home because it's an absolute must-win for the team. They can't go down 0-3. Speaking of must-wins, Q, as I crack open this second game of the six-pack. 0-2 Houston versus 2-0 Pittsburgh. This is why this game's intriguing to me because the Texans, they played the two best teams in the AFC, maybe even the NFL in weeks one and two, the Chiefs, Ravens. That's a tough draw. On the other side of things, the other side of the spectrum, the Steelers have played the Giants and the Broncos. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster is questionable, but I think we're going to learn a lot more about these two teams in this game in particular that we really have the first couple of weeks of the season. Like, are the Steelers actually back? Or are the Texans, are they going to enter the chat as far as the 2020 season's concerned? Are they going to fight to stay in this thing? Because as I just mentioned, going down 0-3, that makes things, uh, the, the hill to get back into things, a very hard and treacherous to climb. I I don't know. I just, but I what I've seen so far from the Texans without DeAndre Hopkins as being the, the vocal point of that offense, I haven't seen enough. I think the Steelers improved to 3-0, and the Texans fall to 0-3. What do you think? I think that all season long, Houston Texans fans, Houston Texans players, everyone's going to kind of be haunted by the ghost that is DeAndre Hopkins. I think you hit it on the head. I think you're going to always hear all season long, DeAndre Hopkins. Boy, sure could use DeAndre Hopkins. As you very well know, the Cardinals are benefiting from Nuke Hopkins. He is the dude, and uh, Deshaun Watson does not have him. I think that the Texans do drop to 0-3. I think Pittsburgh is a better team offensively and defensively. And again, Bill O'Brien continues to get egg on his face but he's got as much power as God does in Houston so I don't think that anything's going to happen to him he ain't going nowhere but uh it's going to be a rough sled and at least early on for Houston so I think that they dropped to 0 and 3 in this six pack and I I kind of have a theme going with all the games that are intriguing to me this week how about this one how about Chicago who's 2 and 0 and it's a surprising 2 0 in my opinion with Mitchell Trubisky behind the behind center at the Falcons who are 0 and 2 scored 39 points and had no turnovers against the Cowboys and found a way to lose because, well, just as bad as Donovan McNabb knowing that games could end in a tie, <laughs> that was bad enough. The Falcons didn't know that you could jump on the ball before 10 yards on an on a, on a, on a onside kick if you're the recovering team, if you're the receiving team, uh, even though their head coach and, and others say that they knew about it, they didn't do it. The Cowboys won the game 40-39 to 39 last week. I want to see how they rebound. That's why this is so intriguing to me. How does Dan Quinn go in there and prepare their team 
to get out there and put that game behind him and get back on the on, on the field and make it happen and, and improve to one and two. How does he do that? How do they go in there with a pretty high high power offense? They do they can score when they really want to. I mean, they they got some weapons all over the field and Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, just to name a few. I mean, they got the dudes to get it done. But how can the coaching staff prepare these guys after that epic collapse that they had against the Cowboys in week two? Uh, I actually got the Falcons in this one. I think that uh, Dan Quinn's going to show a little something-something of what he's got in the tank. Uh, I think he has to show a little something-something. And I'm still not 100% sold on Mitchell Trubisky. So I think Chicago travels to Atlanta, but they find a way to take an L. And Atlanta uh, puts that game that they lose to the Cowboys behind them and picks up their first victory of the season. What's your thoughts on that game? I think it's very similar to the Houston Pittsburgh game where you've got the Steelers at two and zero and the Texans at zero and two, and it's who you've played. Atlanta, they played the Seahawks to open the season. They played the Cowboys last week. Both of them kind of a buzzsaw. Yeah, you had the the you know knucklehead move at the end of the game that cost them it, uh, and then you got the two and zero Bears who opened up against the Lions who collapsed. And then you've got them taking on the Giants in, in week two. Like we don't know what these two teams are really about. You know, and I think that the Bears, they might be playing with heavy hearts following the loss of a legend. Gail Sayers passed away earlier this week. The Kansas Comet, RIP. But still, I think that the Falcons, despite what Dan Quinn might be saying, could be falling on deaf ears. They have to show up in this game. They absolutely have to. And it's just the same as the Texans. You have to show up. You got to win one of these because going down 0-3, it's just too much of a, you know, it's sometimes just too much to overcome especially for a team like Atlanta playing in a tough division like the NFC South. How about another 2-0 team versus another 0-2 team? It's uh, Tennessee on the road in Minneapolis taking on the Vikings. Some pretty similar teams despite different records. Run heavy offenses, even though Ryan Tannehill is absolutely dealing with six touchdowns. Who saw that despite his uh, resurgence last year? Kirk Cousins? Eh, Not so much. Four picks this season, including three last week and a loss. I just, I don't, here's the thing, you, I don't like anything about the Vikings this season. So I, of the 0-2 teams that we've talked about in the last three games of the six pack, I I like the Vikings the least. And the Titans might've struggled to put away the Jags. We saw lose on Thursday night football, pretty, pretty bad. I still think the quarterback play is going to separate this game. And I would have never thought I'd be saying this, but Tannehill give the Titans the advantage with Tannehill over Kirk Cousins right now. He's emerged since the second half of last season and should separate them in this contest. I agree. I think Tannehill's doing a good job, and, and I, I still like the workhorse. I like any team that has a workhorse, and when I say that, I mean Derrick Henry. I just think that uh, the Vikings' defense isn't as good as it should be. I mean, it's just it, it hasn't been what Mike Zimmer usually puts out there on the field, and I think that Derrick Henry and uh, the Titans figure out a way to get it done. Tannehill, like you said, is, is playing well. Uh, they have some nice pieces there on defense. I think they have something to prove, and they see the Houston Texans struggling in the division, so if they can go ahead and put up another W – uh, and, and who knows what the Colts are going to do? But if the you know if the Titans could pick up another W, be three and zero, and uh, and if if we're right and the Houston Texans drop to zero and three, I feel like Tennessee really has a good stranglehold on that on what that division is going to be down the stretch because well they'll already have they'll already be out to a nice little lead uh, in that division. So I think that uh, I think Tennessee finds a way to get a victory, and uh, a lot of questions start surrounding everything going on in Minnesota around the Vikings, and more importantly around head coach Mike Zimmer because he even though he's not on the hot seat 
you've heard his name whispered multiple times about, yeah, what's really going on here and there? Uh, of course, like I said, the defense is where they always hang their hat. They went and made the big move to get Unique Ngakwe out of Jacksonville. That hasn't paid off yet, uh, so we'll see if they can get him going maybe this week, and uh, obviously that'd be a, a good week to get it going against the Titans uh, to try to pick up their first victory, but I think Tennessee finds a way to get this one. All right, so let's get into our third game, each of the six packs. So five and six. Q, who you got to wrap things up? Well, this one I think is going to be a good game. And again, I told you I have kind of a theme going for my uh, my, my games in the six-pack, my part of the six-pack. This The theme, though, may kind of throw you off. This game is the Cowboys at the Seahawks. And you think, wait a minute, hold on, what, what, what are you talking about? I want to see how the Seahawks bounce back. But the Seahawks won on Sunday night. But I still want to see how they bounce back, and I'm talking about their defense. They gave up 397 yards passing to Cam Newton, and I'm not trying to disrespect Cam Newton. I think he's playing well through two games for New England, but almost 400 yards passing against the Seahawks is unheard of. You know what I mean? It's just something that you don't Mm -hmm. think that you're going to hear all the time. So I want to see how they are able to defend Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense, who I think is really, really good. Still, they squeaked out a victory over Atlanta, but they still put up some big-time numbers. Dak Prescott's coming off of NFC Offensive Player of the Week with the numbers that he put up. Uh, He was able to sling the ball around the yard, come up with three touchdowns of his own on the ground. I mean, he's doing a lot of good things. Obviously, on the other side of the Russell Wilson's doing some great MVP-type things. So this is why this game really, really intrigues me. Can that Seahawks defense be better? Can Jamal Adams at the back end of that defense play a little bit better defense? We know he's great uh, up near the line of scrimmage uh, and going downhill, attacking the quarterback, attacking a rusher, uh, you know, playing kind of a hybrid linebacker role. But can he play that that center field position and not get beat over the top? Does he not allow Amari Cooper to get deep, CeeDee Lamb to get deep, Michael Gallup to get deep? Can he be that guy on the back end? Seattle's dealing with some injuries on the back end as well, so Jamal Adams has to be really, a, uh, I mean, an A1 big deal dude. Can he be that guy? That's why this game intrigues me. I'm picking Seattle to win it, but their defense has got to step up, unlike what it did last week, even though I will say they stepped up when it mattered. That was on the one-yard line and still came away with the victory. Yeah, I was interested to see what this team is going to look like when their main source of getting after the quarterback is going to come from the safety position because other than that, you're not seeing your traditional you know, linebackers' ends get after the quarterback for the Seahawks. But let me tell you this, Q, and you mentioned it, that Cam Chancellor is not walking through that door. Richard Sherman's not walking through that door. Neither is Earl Thomas. Not even, like, we can't even get ourselves a Byron Maxwell to walk through that door as right. far as the Legion Boom's concerned. It's not there any longer. Quandre Diggs was kicked out of the Sunday night football game. He's, you know, w- whether or not you want to argue if it was the right call or not, he was out. He didn't play most of the game. Hopefully he does a better job of, uh, you know, staying and playing within the rules, and that's going right. to be big for the Seahawks team. But, man, Russell Wilson is playing. He's just filthy right now. And, you know, we can talk about how bad this uh, Seahawks defense has played early on, but it's not going to be as bad to squander that big of a lead like the, the Cowboys overcame in Week 2. It's like Dangerous was told, hey, you need to put up Mahomes' numbers to get MVP votes. And he's like, okay, all right, I'll do that. Nine touchdowns through two weeks of play so far. Just incredible from Dangerous, and I think that they win this game. It's going to be a fun one to watch. That's for damn sure. It's going to be a fun game to watch, uh, and it's always fun to watch the Cowboys lose. Last game of the six-pack, Q, Sunday Night Football, the one-and-one Saints 
versus the 2-0 Green Bay Packers. And the Saints looking to rebound in their second primetime game in as many weeks. Breeze versus Rodgers, couple high-powered offenses. We don't know if the main receiver is going to be there for either team either. Looks like Devontae Adams didn't practice on Thursday. We'll see what Friday brings. But it's going to be a historic Lambeau Field. This is going to be a great one to watch to close out, you know, a great Sunday watching football. Here's my main question. Or actually, I've got a couple of them, two of them. Breeze, Alvin Kamara, that offense, can they keep up on the scoreboard with Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and the Packers offense that's put up 85 points in two games? Or can the Saints defense, can they play their best game in the season thus far? It's going to be huge. I didn't like what I saw from the Saints in the second half against the Raiders. I know you were watching that one intently because you're the host of Lockdown Raiders from Monday Night Football. But I think that the the Packers right now have too much firepower for the Saints to keep up on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, the Packers are doing what I like to call as cook it with grease. I mean, they're just they're doing it really, really big. They got the law firm of Rodgers and Jones. That's clicking right now. And I think that that's just too much. I mean, I, I was surprised and shocked that they came out the gates as hot as they are right now, putting up the 85 points, like you mentioned, well over 400 yards each game. I mean, they are just absolutely doing it big time offensively. And this is from a team that didn't go out and get – uh, Aaron Rodgers any weapons in the draft and uh, the big conversation was all about Jordan Love Jordan Love Jordan Love and well Aaron Rodgers is letting everyone know hey I'm not done yet and oh by the way Aaron Jones from the running back position I'm not done yet either I'm in a contract year and I'm about to ball out he's leading the league in rushing I mean he's doing his thing so I think that the Packers just have too much firepower and uh, the Saints I think that they have some warts they do have a good defense and I was definitely watching that Monday night game uh, very uh, closely but I, I think that there's areas that can be exploited and I think the Packers are going to show them how it's done. So, yeah, I, I'm excited by that because it's Sunday night. I think it's a great way to end the week. I know there's going to be a handful of fans there, a little bit less than 1,000. I believe it's a lot of the Saints' families, but that's uh, that's not going to be enough to, to overtake Green Bay Sunday night football. I got Green Bay winning this one. What games are you interested in? Hit us up on Twitter at your boy Q254, at Bob Rack, easiest way to find me. Hit us up. Let's talk some football either before the games or during the games. Coming up, our guy Chad Millman from the Action Network, the Favorites podcast with more betting insight for the week three headed your way. It's all next. It's Locked on NFL. As we do every Friday here on Locked on NFL, we go to the action, to the wise guys, our friends in Vegas. We go to our guy Chad Millman, actually from the Action Network. He joins us as he does every Friday to make us some cold, hard cash, having a solid season, looking at the spreads and picking winners. You can follow Chad on Twitter, at Chad Millman. Check out his podcast, The Favorites, for more insight into NFL 3 action, week three action. Chad, look, here I was, Sunday night. I was basically in the backfield with the New England Patriots. I was ready to take the handoff or throw a block for Cam Newton. I was on the Patriots plus floor, Cam gets flipped over. My dreams dashed. <laughs> Is Cam and the Pats, they, can they bounce back as favorites against Hughes Raiders in week three? I was, I was so in the same boat, Bo, that I had actually decided I'm going to bed. It was, it was 35-23, and who'd think that the Seahawks would make the same mistakes they had made in the past. And instead of trying to run at the clock, they'd throw a bomb with under two minutes left um, and give the Patriots the ball back. But I went to bed. So fortunately, as a Patriots ticket holder, I didn't have to stay up to watch like those final plays where he didn't get into the end zone. 
Um, but I'm going back to the well. I am going back to the Patriots well. And for me, this is this is a little bit about sort of the Patriots, but it's more about a backlash to the Raiders, who to me are just not a team that I have any faith in. And Careful. the fact that they're they're terrible. That that all the money <laughs> has come in and, and I'm gonna say they're terrible. And later on, one of you will ask me about the Saints. And I'll tell you how much I love the Saints this week. And you'll think, wait a second. Didn't you watch the game on Monday night? I think the game on Monday night was an aberration. And the Raiders always have these kinds of games. I don't think I don't think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. I think they got the Saints in the good spot. But let's get back to the Patriots. <laughs> the reason I like this game is because the line has moved. It opened at six and a half. It's now at five. The money has come in on the Raiders from the public because of what they saw in those two primetime games. Give me the Patriots getting value at minus five. I, I just got to throw this out there, and then we'll move on. Oh, boy. If oh, you boy. lose this one again because of the Raiders, you've got to show them a little bit more love next week. You're right. You're right. Uh, I do have to do that, but come on, Q. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not going to lose this game. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to give you that because you're the expert and I am not. I just know what I <laughs> see in the game. This is going to come back to haunt me. I can't wait <laughs> for next week when Q gets to play this exact clip. Exactly. But you're, you're, you're my guy, so I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm not mad at that. And since, uh, you know, we talked about uh, my Raiders off top, let's talk about Bo's Cardinals. Uh, I know they've been winning Bo some money. Uh, the good money's been on the Cardinals and their favorites right now against Detroit. Uh, what, what are you thinking about this game and, and, and how are you feeling about it? I think the Cardinals are a professional football team right now, and I think the Lions are very far from it. And I think that right now I'm seeing five and a half. I like this Cardinals team past six, so I would take them at six and a half at the most probably. So I'm still getting a point of value. I am going to be on the Cardinals this week. Um, I also like Kyler Murray to win MVP because I think the Cardinals have a shot to win the NFC West. And their defense is going to be just good enough. And with this, with the Seahawks, it's going to be between them, between them and the Seahawks, I think. And right now, your odds to get the Cardinals to win the NFC West are so much shorter than they are to get Kyler Murray to win MVP. If you like the Cardinals to win the NFC West, go buy Kyler Murray at 14 to 1 to win the MVP because they're not going to do it unless he is the MVP. Um, but here, I like the Cardinals. The Lions do not look like a professional football team. Uh, and it's also why I'm not a big backer of the Packers. Um, but to me, what Kyler Murray is able to do and what we saw Aaron Rodgers do against the Lions, what we saw Mitch Trubisky do against the Lions, Kyler Murray is in a better space than both of those quarterbacks playing at home with a team that has a lot of weapons. And we see in DeAndre Hopkins how good he can be and how good they can be together. So I like the Cardinals here. Man, I love it. I mean, it, I, I want to say even – Maybe we should throw some on the over in that game. It's not going to be a whole lot of defense, at least from Detroit's side of the football. Let me ask you about a couple teams that I'm a little weary of uh, and, and don't know which way to go in this matchup. Washington comes out of the gates to open up the season against Philly with a rally from behind win. Kind of shocked the NFL world. And then Cleveland seemed to get back on track with the W on Thursday night football. Washington as dogs against Cleveland or take the Browns as favorites in this contest, Chad? Look, a, a lot of this week is sort of hold your nose week, right? You've got, you've got bad teams. 
that have won a game. You've got zero and two teams. Uh, the red, the I was going to say their their former nickname, <laughs> the Washington Football Team. Uh, I like them at plus seven, and the reason I do it is because I think their defensive line is really good, and I think they can cause a lot of problems for the Browns. And what was astonishing to me is last Thursday night, you watch the Browns and listening to Troy Aikman and Joe Buck get just just praise the Browns offense and praise Kevin Stefanski um, about how good they looked and this is what he wanted to build. He was doing it against the Bengals, right? Like they, they tried to run at the clock and couldn't because they had they, they had to score a touchdown because the guy ran 50 yards. So I feel like in this game, you've got a defensive line going against a quarterback who has a really hard time uh, when he's got to sort of read through his progressions and when he's got to stay in the pocket. And um, those are things that I think they can wreak havoc with. So I like the Redskins plus seven here. Chad, a game that really intrigues me uh, for multiple reasons are, is Carolina at uh, L.A. And they're at the, not the Rams, but the Chargers. And so uh, I know that Carolina are, are the dogs. I'm kind of confused by that only because I know they're on the road and I know it's Matt Rule and they haven't won a game. But the Chargers most likely are going to be starting a rookie quarterback only in his second performance. And their offense isn't too hot. Um, they're dogs. The, the Panthers are dogs to, to the Chargers. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? And, and how should you bet this one? Well, look, they're not just dogs. I mean, they're pretty big dogs. And that makes sense. Like you've got an 0-2 Panthers team that isn't going to have Christian McCaffrey, uh, that is flying across the country going against the Chargers team that in one of the late games made the Chiefs look really, really bad. And Patrick Mahomes look relatively mortal. Uh, and even if Justin Herbert is only in his second game, he was really, really good in that first game. So um, I actually like the Panthers here. Uh, you can get them plus six and a half, plus seven in some places. I think that's the right side. Uh, the Chargers, to me, are generally a mediocre football team. And there's more money coming in, more bets coming in on the Chargers right now. And that means you're going to get a lot more value on the Panthers. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad Millman. Check out his podcast, The Favorites. It's locked on NFL, Bo and Q. One more before we get out of here. A team that is just crushed by injuries, the San Francisco 49ers. They were able to kind of right the ship, but it was against one of the worst teams in football in week two against the New York Jets. They are taking on the New York Giants. This one's got to be a tough pick, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on it, Chad? It's a really tough pick. And look, the Giants are terrible, but there is a stat. The teams that start 0-2... Uh, are 60% against the spread when they get to week three. So you're looking at the Giants, right? And even though they don't have Saquon Barkley, uh, they are at home and they're going against a team that won't have its quarterback, that might not have its tight end, that doesn't have its defensive end, that doesn't have its running backs. Like they're in pretty, they're in pretty bad shape right now. The, and the line has gone down considerably. I mean, this line opened at six and a half it's now down to three and a half and sort of every day that sort of more and more injuries come out and more and more people on the 49ers are deemed uh, inactive and, and they're not going to be playing uh, more and more money comes in on the giants. At this point, I would stay away from it. Like I, I think the value sort of where you had the opportunity to bet this and feel like you were going to get, there's an old axiom in betting called get the best of the number. And even if you like a side, I like the Giants here as underdogs at home, but a plus three and a half, like I've kind of missed the window. I should have liked them at five. I should have liked them at four and a half. I could have liked them at four, three and a half. Like 
you're going to lose that game by four and you're going to be sick to your stomach. Oof. Well, let's recap. Giants is dogs against the Niners. Washington football, dogs against the Browns. Carolina, your ride or die, it seems like, with Teddy Covers. Hopefully he'll get you this week. Dogs against the Chargers. Cardinals is favorites over the Lions and the New England Patriots is favorites over the Vegas Raiders, despite Q <laughs> being here each and every week, pleading for you to say different. But uh, here we are looking for you. Forward- Q, are you from the Bay Area? Like, is that why you love the Raiders? Oh, yeah. I'm a Bay Area guy. Of course. Yeah. Born and bred okay. Oakland, California. Of course. Um, well, then I can respect that. I'm not probably not going to root for him or bet on him, but I can respect your allegiance. You'll come to the dark side eventually. Everyone does. Oh, I know. I know it. Listen, half my family lives in the Bay Area and they live in Oakland. Like, I get it. They're huge Raiders fans. They're so sad that they're gone. Um, But it is a tough team to bet on. I love this rivalry we have each and every Friday. (laughs) It's it's must listen to podcast uh, entertainment. Chad, let's make some money this weekend. All right, fellas. Take care. Good luck. That's our guy, Chad Millman. The Favorites podcast is there for you to consume. Get ready to put some bets down if you didn't get enough out of that segment. I know I did. Made some money last weekend. Big thanks to Chad for that. But Q, it's going to wrap up another episode of Locked On NFL Fridays. Big week of football on tap. And then Peter Bukowski here on this very same podcast Monday to recap it all. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I, I love this weekend. I love this part of the, the week as we prepare for a whole weekend of uh, great NFL action. And little side note, Bo, I think I'm going to buy uh, Chad. I'm going to get him a Las Vegas Raiders black hat, just a silver and black hat, something even fitted maybe. I'll get him an expensive one and send it to him, courtesy of all the money that he's helping us win. And uh, then he'll become a Raider fan. Yeah, just tell him to keep on throwing money on the other team. That seems to be working out for the Vegas Raiders in the 2020 season. I think that's a brilliant idea. It's like the reverse jinx. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm going to do. But uh, this is a lot of fun as always, man. I definitely appreciate you. And uh, yeah, like you said, uh, like you told Chad, let's go win some money and let's have some fun.